What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of River City 93, brought to you by Roughnecks Cars, Acres FC, and of course, for the culture. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and is joining me is one man that got to see the atmosphere at CD Stadium in person. It's Mr. Matt Myers. How are you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. Not only that, got to see uh, a greatly named goalkeeper. Used to you know uh, rock the Richmond Kickers, you know colors. Uh, show that he's literally the greatest goalkeeper on the continent. Last night, Matt Turner, holler, you know, yeah, USA, USA. Yes, kind of good. You know the the kickers influences everywhere, especially in New England when they have two of them. And joining me is another man that didn't see the game in person, but has reason to shine as he is a New England fan himself. It's Mr. Shanair Duran the second. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. That's 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 triple happy, man. Once a kicker, always a kicker. New England Revolution, USA. Let's go. All three of them. The trifecta. <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie. Last night was was pretty cool to see in person. Kind of kind of gives you a little bit of hope for uh kickers, you know. We we see the 2018-2019 years, and hopefully we can end this year off with a trophy. Yes. That's, hopefully. That's hope. <laughs> let's hope. Hey, fingers crossed. Let's go. We can do it. It's not out of it's not out of the realm of possibility yet. We can hope. And well, you never know what can happen in a season. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, one step at a time though, and uh yes. good first step in the process on Saturday. Yeah, first step of the process. We had a home game against FC Tucson, a team that, as for everyone that watches USL League One knows, they love to attack, but they cannot defend at all. And going to this game, like I thought this game was going to be high scoring because I just thought both teams were going to be open ended because the defensive mistakes. But to be real with you, like if you go back and rewatch this game, this game was not exciting at all. Yeah, it, it was up there with the uh, the women's game against Canada in terms of not much happening. This one, character game was a little more interesting you know, to watch. Uh, I think probably being there in person helped with that a little bit. But to the neutral, I can't imagine that would be a game that you'd want to uh, use as a selling point. No, not not at all. Absolutely not. Um, so let's start off with this game. Pretty much going into this game. Darren, once again, he's sticking with this 442 diamond. I have to say, as much as <laughs> it pains him to say it, I got to give him props because he's sticking with his guns. He is sticking with this diamond. He is going to live and die by the diamond. And live and die by it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't know if it's as much you know, live and die by the formation. You know, I, I think it's you know, more at this point living and dying you know, by you know the you know, kind of how aggressive the team wants to play you know, because yeah. when the team is willing to sit back and absorb pressure, they can do it really well. Not a damn lick of attack when that happens, you know, but they can, you know, eat, you know, force your know, teams to send in crosses that Jalen and, you know, Yvonne eat up and Akira, you know, takes care of, you know, the scraps that come after that. 
Or they can push forward, we get goals, but we leak like crazy too. Haven't yeah. really found much in the way in between. No, there's there's no balance with this team. It's either all out attack or ultra defensive. It's either one or the other. And one of the set, so I accidentally listened to the uh, audio of this game when I was started rewatching it. But the conversation had an interesting, interesting stat. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Uh, pretty much in the last five games, Richmond has only led for 19 minutes. That's. That is an insane stat. Like, how how insane is that to you guys? Well, I think that that goes back to what Matt was saying with regards to when we go on the attack, we leave a lot of holes in the back. Um, I think we're at a point right now where Darren's going to need to find that balance. He's going to need to find that sweet spot in the middle where we can defend but it's not a park the bus defense. It's not a Jose Mourinho. We're not letting anything happen in this game period for us or them at all. Um, but still at the same time, we want to be able to have exciting attacks, exciting uh, 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 movements forward up the field. So I don't know. He, he just needs to find that balance. He needs to find that sweet spot right in the middle. I, I think one start of finding that sweet spot was, I think, where he was putting Neil and uh, Stanley in this game and where they were able to, to basically balance out each other in terms of the midfield. Um, I, I think... Neil has has an uh, an attacking mindset. He can do a job in the midfield. He's not an attacking player per se, but he, he his mindset is in the attack. But Alves, he, being an attacking player, still is willing to track back. Is willing to do some grunt work if need be. And I think that balance between those two is kind of making things work a little bit better better sorry and i think there needs to be a little bit of tweaking with regards to that to, to kind of find that that perfect that perfect combination in there but i think we're on the way to finding that sweet spot yeah i i, I can see what you're saying there um i do have to make i will mention this in the what was it? i think it's the fourth minute where victor had his shot on goal but like the lead up, like the build up to it and the spacing is something that I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that's something I haven't seen in a while where like the way the ball that Neil played that cut through like four FC Tucson to players is not a ball that normally should have been played through, like to get all the way to Victor on the other side of the box. But it's because of the spacing of Stanley making runs, Amy making runs, Bologna's making runs. And then it's just a wide open back post to Victor. Like that's not something I'm I've seen. Maybe I'm just picking up on it because I really want Victor to score a goal. <laughs> but like, what do you guys think about it? Just like we're seeing these runs in behind defenders, these spacing and pulling defenders wide, things like that. I mean, it's been having a little bit more lately since uh we moved away, you know, from the old four three three and moved into the you know more of this four four two. And yeah, I 
a little bit more uh, with you know Stanley. You know, kind of playing at the you know, that point of the diamond. Uh, it's not saying that he's you know, directly responsible for because, like you said, you know, Neil was the one who ultimately made that you know, pass that you know, kind of snuck through. But I think it it gives a little bit more directness, not more directness because the attack's always been direct this year, uh, but a different you know, kind of direct. It's not just long ball. There's a lot more carry involved you know, at the moment. I think that helps to open things up you know, because I mean, think about when you think of an attack this year, what do you really you know envision? You envision – Long ball jumped through the corner for Bolaños, Oleg, somewhere like that to run onto, and then either try to take him one on one or they try to get across him. That's well over half our attacks, right? Yeah. So this gives a little bit different you know, dimension and you know, allows uh, you know for somebody to you know kind of sneak in you know the weak side to be able to get you know some of these you know, you know crosses uh, you know that are I guess lack of a better way to put it more controlled. You know, cross the more passes than crosses. And I think that can only be a good thing in the long run. Anything for you, Samir? Um, yeah, I, I just just to piggyback off of what Matt was saying, it, I think this added dimension that you're talking about is before we were trying to skip the defense by lumping it over them. Now we're looking like we are willing to try and cut through defenses and when you have both of those weapons you can switch back and forth if you're trying to cut through a defense and they they're compact the wings are open if the team's trying to spread out to block off those wings you can cut through them more easily so it, it's it's one of those situations where the, this is a a system that needed to be developed to make the kicker, to give the kicker the fighting chance in every game and not be a one-dimensional, only one style of attack team. Once you figure out how to block off the wings, you know how to beat the kicker. We, we, we wanted to pull away from that. And I think this is the start to pulling away from that. We gotta be able to cut through defenses. We gotta be, we can't be scared to go down the middle. So since we're talking about the formation, I wanna ask you guys this question. In this formation, you know, it's a very narrow formation, 4-4-2 diamond. You're not having wingers kind of protecting the fullbacks and you leave your fullbacks in one-on-one situations. Again, in this game, we've seen our fullbacks struggle one we one um, The fullbacks in the game was Chris Cole and Esteban Calvo. What is it about our fullbacks in one we one v one defending that they seem to struggle with? I mean... I think there's probably a couple factors at play here. One is that I'm pretty sure both these guys were really brought in to be reserves you know, for us. So, you know, I think if you consider what Darren's big picture at the beginning of the year was, it's probably the majority of the time Monty and Ian, right? Ian, we know he's out for the year. Monty, uh, despite what he said a couple weeks ago, uh, yeah, not back and ready yet. Uh, yeah, so these guys, I think they're stepping in and doing, oh, they're not – maybe the same level of dynamic, you know, players. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're being asked to stay home a little bit more and, you know, be, you know, a little more mindful of that. Uh, so I, I think that's probably more where it's coming from because those other guys, they love to fly forward. They love to get in the attack, uh, but they had, you know, a little bit more of the physical gifts to be able to compensate yeah. So 
all speculation, but that's you know, kind of my gut instinct guess. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's you know, it's it's, it's the 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 thing that that really is interesting with the two center, the two fullbacks that we lost, literally with Ian and Monty, at least for now, is I'm not sure if we have anyone else on the roster who can play that fullback position, probably with the exception of Luke, who has that pace and who has that engine that Monty and Ian have. And although Calvo and Cole are, are doing a good job as deputies or are doing it what they can as deputies, that they, they, they don't come close to that pace, to that, to that engine that Ian and Monty can bring to a back line. Because I, I guarantee you we are nowhere near the situation we're in right now if Monty and, and Ian are healthy from game one up until now. Like that that is a completely different first half of the season. Yeah. I mean I don't, I don't know if I say Monty and Engine go together, you know, you know, so perfectly all the time. But I get what I get what you're saying though. I mean, we've seen Boldick in the past play kind of a, a wingback type role. He can do it, but that takes him away from, you know, other positions on the field. Like he's been doing really well, you know, in the uh you know, the midfield roles. Like that we know we can play, you know, uh more of the traditional winger type role too. So you get to the point of, yeah, if you're going to be putting somebody else back there, you're taking away from another spot in the field and you know, what's the opportunity cost. Yeah. At the end of the day, the only person I can pick up is Luke, but then he's one of those players that you, I think Luke would be one of those players that you can bring off the bench like Olex, not, not bring the creativity that Olex brings, but bring that hustle and that 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 annoying gnat that comes in when the defense is tired. He he's he's perfect for that. He's perfect to bring on to just run at tired defenses. And then Olex comes and 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 breaks a couple ankles, and there you go. <laughs> I'm willing to bet Luke ran the same amount that Neil ran the entire match. I'm oh, I would no that's, doubt. A little, that's a little harsh. Come on, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet that there's no knock on Neil. I'm just saying, the, how much we saw Luke running around. Luke, Luke is he's just one of those. You ever seen those, some of those? If he those, didn't beat it, he's darn sure close. You, you ever seen some of those mob movies where where the the you know the the, the mob boss is about to put the dogs on him? And they're holding the leash, and the dog is just bucking at the leash, and they just let him go, and the dog just runs. That's Luke. Darren just holds him on the sideline until it's time to sub him in, and he said, just go get him. Sick him. And he just runs and just hunts everything down. So, so two things here. One, I think y'all are doing Neil a little dirty here. You're making it sound like he's a statue on the field. You know, dude still you know, is getting back, you know, helping out with defense and everything. You know, he's not – no, nobody's going to be mistaken for Olix, but you know he can you know, be quick when he needs to be. He's not, maybe not fast, but he he's can not be fleet of foot. Quick. Let's put it like that. He, <laughs> sure. He, no, he he's not fleet of foot, and and he I don't I don't think for his position he needs to be. No, so so that's one thing. Two, 
I wonder if Luke actually listens to this and then just gets annoyed how every episode we all end up just saying, yeah, he's a pest. He's obnoxious. He's annoying. So I swear that we've probably said that, you know, at least 80% of the episodes this season. Well, I mean, I, that's how you become a legend in Richmond. Look, that's what he brings. That's what he brings. He brings, he, he makes defenses unstable. He, he, he's the anti-strategy. He's, like no, literally. My argument here. No, no. When I say the anti-strategy, I don't mean like for the kickers. I mean for the other team. Any strategy they have, the fact that he is constantly running at them, he just completely disrupts anything that they have planned. And you need that. You need that on any team if you're gonna if if you want. And and it's bet to me. It it works so good coming off the bench coming off the bench in the 60th minute, maybe 58th minute, 60th minute, give them a 30 minutes of, it's literally giving the other thir- the other team's defense 30 minutes of hell. And it, it allows that instability to make room for Olex running at you, for Bulldog running at you, because Bulldog can run at you the whole game with you organized. And once Luke Pavone comes in and disrupts that organization, he still has an engine to run at you. And so you you have so many, we have so many weapons that can be used to infiltrate once that barrier is broken. And I think Luke is the key to breaking that barrier a lot of times coming off the bench. Yeah. Luke, Luke, if you're listening, A, glad to clear protocol. Yeah. After last week's knock. B, I think you're a wonderful soccer player too, not just a runner. <laughs> We love you, Luke. Uh, just switch the gears off of that for a little bit. Um, so I think one of the things that we talked about heavily on, on the North Carolina podcast that was how this team, most, most of their attention was focused on the ref. Um, and we talked about, like, you know, that focus, you know. And I got to say, in this game, yes, the ref was not very clear in any of his calls. Um, cause he missed some and he made some calls, but just talking about FC Tucson perspective in this game, do you think they were pressing in a sense of like, oh, we have to go, 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 go. Cause if we leave it in the ref hands, you know, he's going to, he's going to screw it up. He's going to mess it up. And do you think that kind of played into the kicker's hands of, all right, like we scored early. We're just now just going to sit back and just, you know, allow a, you know, kind of just play it out, if that makes sense. I don't think it made a big difference in the grand scheme of the race. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was letting you know, some stuff go, but I felt like he was letting stuff go pretty consistently across the board. Like, you know, I don't think one team, you know, should feel overly aggrieved, you know, by, oh, you kept on, you know, picking on our players. I mean, yeah, we we had a very you know, rarely seen two players getting booked for two separate fouls on the same play situation. They may or may not, you know, should have had a penalty late in the game. Yeah, you know, they might feel aggrieved by the penalty we got. I think it was actually a good call. I don't think it was the ref that called that. I think it was the AR, yeah, you know, that you know, called it because he had the same view that we did, essentially. Uh, and because I wouldn't blame the ref, you know, on the field if he had missed that call because it was a really subtle. Uh, touched Emmy's heel 
But it was well, yeah, like, when he got vision. back up and he started chasing out a defender. Yeah, so and I was about to out. say that. I was just about to say that. Emmy, when he feel, when he's got when he knows he's been fouled, he stays down. So the fact that he bounced right back up made me feel like, wait a minute, did he even get? Was, did he, if he didn't feel because the fact that he got right back up and went to chase the ball, I don't think he even felt it was a foul. So that's why I was like, eh. but when I saw the replay, I was like, eh. there was. It was basically just a, a a combination, one part smarts on Emmy, one part clumsiness on on um, what was it, Falcon Fox? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I certainly don't think he had any intention of you know, fouling Emmy in that moment. And you know, Emmy just cut across him. Yeah, yeah the, real, the real reason I think the AR was the one that called it is because you know the the center ref. Didn't call it right away. It was a good couple of seconds before the whistle goes, you know, which tells me that you know they already you know, radioed him in and said, "Hey, that's a foul." Because otherwise, why would he wait that long? Because nothing, clearly nothing else is happening on that play. Yeah, but the lead up to that play is, I feel like this is what Darren's probably coaching in practice because not only does Emmy and Victor close out as well, it's Victor who leads off the pass. But the way he he threads this ball through causes the penalty because it causes Emmy to run across the face of Fox. And anytime an attacker is running across your face of defender, like you're just like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess this up. And like Sierra, like you always said, like anytime you put it in ref hands, nine times out of ten, he's gonna call it. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's one of those situations that you're you're basically as a defender, it's a catch twenty two. Um, when a player cuts across you like that, it's either don't touch him, which means you're 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 disrupting your gait as you're moving forward, which means you're you're pulling yourself back from the play, you're giving yourself a disadvantage, or you foul him. And and that that to me is where Fox was. Fox was in that situation. But I think Fox puts himself in that situation a couple of seconds before because when Ferriol gets beat, what I wouldn't say beat, well, he gets turned by um, he basically I, I, I think he, he basically gets stripped and turned by, by, by Falk. I think that was a situation where the ball was moving so far away from from Falk. I think Fox should have should have jumped on that. The fact that he doesn't and he just backs off, backs off, backs off, backs off. He he literally allowed Falk to go into that space, and and then Emmy and and then you're in that situation where Emmy's running across you. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing the other center back could do about it because uh, who was it? Who was who was running alongside Emmy? up there uh it was Bolaños Bolaños is right and so the other center back uh Barnathan he can't he can't leave Bolaños to to go and and follow Emmy on that run and Fox is caught in them in no man's land so I I, I think it's part I, I like the fact that Falk decided to keep going and, and push forward and take that space. I don't think we have seen him do that that much in the past. I think he's been doing that more and more, more recently, like running into space and actually taking space 
rather than just receiving the ball, trying to make a pass, and then trying to do his defensive duties in the midfield. He's he's actually taking part of the in the attack. He's running at defenders, and this this is what this is the result of him running at defenders when he has runners ahead of him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely you know hear what you're saying though, you know, because you know it's making you know there's different diagonal, there's crossing runs that can make a big difference. It can really unsettle the defense. You know. They don't even have to be the most complicated runs, but when you're making a defender have to you know, think and make a choice in that moment, there's always that, always that chance you're going to make the wrong choice. Exactly. Right, and you, know, you do it enough times in the game, and you know, let's be real, especially at this level, they're going to you know, break, and then you just have to hope that your guys uh, capitalize on it, which uh, you know, you don't necessarily plan on getting the penalty, but hey, it works out. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, if he if he doesn't get that penalty, if if Fox doesn't touch him, uh, I don't know if there's much Emmy can do from that position. No, I mean, it would take a... Because Barnathan is, is, is finally free to leave Bolaños and is closing down that space. And so even if even if Emmy does get that ball out there, he he's doesn't really have an opportunity towards goal. He's got Bar- um, Barnathan closing him down and... I don't know. So that's one of those situations. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, great, great early way to start the game. You know, 19th minute goal going up one nil. Uh, you know, as Elliot was saying earlier, you know, nice to be able to you know play from a winning position for a while instead of chasing like we've seen the team have to do a lot the last you know, few weeks. Uh, now, granted, you know, it can lead to you know when you're watching the game that clock. Goes slowly when you're holding on to the person you're facing, and it goes really fast. Oh man, I was sitting on my couch sweating. <laughs> yeah, you look up like, oh crap, it's only been five seconds since I last checked. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, the rest of the, you know the half, uh, I thought the kickers you know, still you know did a pretty decent job. You know, got a number of you know corners. Uh, Emmy, you know, headed one over, and I didn't think Tucson you know made. Too too many you know, dangerous approaches in the first half. Uh, you know, Uzo had one header that uh, kind of just went over the bar. He was certainly a handful for Jalen and you know, Yvonne to handle up front. Uh, you know, big body, you know, not afraid to throw himself around. We'll talk about more of that in the second half with uh, some of his antics that he got himself into. You know, but uh, yeah, any other big thoughts on the first half? No, I don't think there's anything else to really focus on the first half. I think. Going more into the second half, I think there's two things that really stick out. One, Akira has made his case for keeper of the year. Uh, yes. And... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, oh, hold on. Is this Shanir being excited about Akira? Right. <laughs> oh, Shanir, let me ask you this question because we Matt was talking about it on Saturday. Would you have been okay with Akira being a man in a match in this game? He hesitated. <laughs> I, I would have been. Here's here's my answer. I would have agreed with it, but I, I still don't like it when a goalkeeper is man of the match. It's, it's it just screams. He had to save your behinds. Like it just screams that, and and it's just like that means the team's not doing well. <laughs> like if the goalkeeper is man of the match, that means the team's messing up. And at least he's just, a man of consistency. I will say that. It, it, uh, look. 
it just means they're messing up. But in this situation, I wouldn't say that. In this situation, I, I do feel that if with Akira winning man of the match would have been because it, it's basically like Matt Turner winning man of the match for the USA Mexico game. Because because he's awesome. Yeah, because he's <laughs> because he made some amazing saves, but it wasn't like I had to save the US men's national team. Kind of like Tim Howard did against Portugal a few World Cups ago. You know, like that's a situation where like, oh my goodness, Tim Howard made like how many saves was it in one game? He like broke the record of the amount of saves in a game. It's like, yeah, yeah, the Belgian game, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not that's not a good thing. That that means that the team left him high and dry so many times that he had to pull off miracles over and over again. In this situation, not the same thing. These are just some key chances that Tucson got that and on in any other situation, they would have probably been able to sneak a couple of goals in, but Akira stood tall and Akira stayed consistent. And especially with the fact that in the first half, he didn't really have to do that much to keep that focus in the second half when the second half rolls around to make those saves is phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, I would even say the second half, he didn't, he had that one flurry around, you know, 61st, 62nd minute where yeah. he actually had to you know show out and do something. The rest of them, a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, floated headers, you know, towards him, you know, not necessarily the most challenging of saves that we've seen Akira make over the years. Uh, still good that he's able to make them, even well positioned to make them probably look easier than they really are. And that's the thing. If the fact that those are the saves that he's making means that those are the very far fetched chances that we're leaving Tucson to, like that's yeah. the only chances they have. And that yeah. tells me defense is doing good. Right. Because if you look at the stats from this game, and you don't you didn't actually watch the game, you just watched the stats. You, you think we luck boxed this game. Yeah. Out of here. Yeah, because 30 think, shots. Is, you would think it's a repeat of the Chattanooga game where we exactly. were just in the yeah. entire first half. And it, it yes. wasn't like that at all. Like yeah. how many of those 30 shots of quality? No, no, yeah, they they very had they had very few real qualities, maybe one or two that were real chance that like, oh my goodness, Akira did something amazing there. The other ones were like again, that was the 61st minute. Back. Where exactly. uh, Charlie Dennis pretty much he had a shot from outside the box that Akira pushed to his left. Then Akira mm-hmm. dove down again and saved it. And then on the corner, Schofield had the pop shot and Akira tipped over the bar. Outside yeah. of that, every other chance, I mean, you had one in the 71st, and Uzo had one when he was unwatched at the back post. But he completely but, skied that. Is that the one he completely skied? Yeah, he he just, yeah. yeah, he did. Yes, but that's what I was saying earlier, Matt. Like when I was talking about, like, did the refs get was Uzo more focused on the refs than it was playing against Richmond? Because, like you said, like he had a complete. I wouldn't even say he had. I would say the whole FC Tucson team had a complete meltdown because it got to the point where they were more focused on like the ref than they were the actual kickers. They they were focused on the ref and the and the Red Army than they were on the actual fans of like on the team themselves. That's the twelfth man, baby. The twelfth man. <laughs> Which, by the way, the crowd was jumping. Like, yes, it was cool to see section of that like that. <laughs> Good to see. Can still be better. You know, we'll rest on our laurels there. But, uh, but yeah, Uzo. You know, he, he's one of these guys who looks like he has, or should have, all the tools. You know, right? I mean, 
if you pick that guy out and you you know drop him in uh, WFT minicamp right now, you probably wouldn't like out of place or anything, you know. Uh, and you know, he Look, we found out last week Avon can play free safety, so it all works out. Yeah, uh, and you know Avon wants to be a man market, so yeah, Uzo a tight end, wide out, something like that. Uh, you know, because you know Yvonne blanketed him for the most part, still got good chances along the way. I, he probably had you know four or five headers that he couldn't control at all. You know, had that one in the first half that looked like a dangerous header that uh, just missed. But other than that, I mean, how many did he get on the end of but couldn't put anywhere near? And it got him rattled. And, you know, for a big guy, he did not like to get touched or hit at all. So, yeah, I think our guys figured that out and played into it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that that I I can abide by. When you're a big guy, you got to be able to take a hit because that's that's. That's what you're there for, basically. The it's fact true. that you're big, that, that puts a target on your back. It's like, you're going to have to do a lot more to me. And so people will. So if you can't take it, if he's just a big teddy bear, then uh, target striker is not for you, my friend. He's <laughs> <laughs> not just a teddy bear. He, he was giving it back a little bit here and there. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, if he hadn't just gotten a yellow card, you know, like the what, what minute was that? And this fifty seventh for uh, you know yelling at the AR, he had another play like two minutes later you know, that probably you know could have should have been a yellow, but I think the ref knew that he just gave him you know a descent yellow, and well, I don't care. Refs ideally don't want to send a guy off you know when they just gave somebody a descent yellow because that's a little more subjective. But he probably could have been booked again. And I think, you know, late in the game, there's another one where you know, he probably you know, could have been booked again and sent off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But overall, the kickers walk out of this game with the win. Not a whole bunch of outside of that we need to probably talk about in this game. Um, I mean, do you want to you want to talk about that uh, 89th, 90th minute issue? I'd rather not because I'm trying to stay positive about Calvo. Cool. Trying to stay positive. <laughs> Let's put it this way: over the course of the year, things tend to even out. You know, for us, we've gotten uh, what we felt was on you know, the rough side of some calls. Might have evened out. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you might even out. You win right. some, you lose some, right? <laughs> yeah. I can see why it's a pin. I can see why it's not a pin, but like we've been saying, like the fullback just need to improve on one on one and just get better in that aspect. Um. Yeah. So the kickers in. Will win this game. They are now five wins, five losses, five draws, 19 goals scored, 19 goals against, zero goals either way. Um, talk about balance. That's as about as balanced as you can get. And that leaves us in six spot. I'm correct, Matt, and yeah. we're tied for fourth. Um, the only reason why we're tied for fourth really is just goal differential no. and games played. No, the reason we're uh, you know, tied for fourth with listed sixth is because the first tiebreaker is wins. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, so that's where you know Tormenta, even though uh, they've lost a crap ton of games, they have an extra win over us. Yeah, you know, so that was the and same yeah, situation. They, yeah, because they have negative five goal differential, and we have a zero goal differential. So right, if it was going by that, we would have been in fourth place. Right, which is no, another reason why it's <laughs> another reason why it's really important to start stacking wins up because that is the first tiebreaker in this league. Yeah. All right. Okay, I don't. I, that's that to me is confusing. Why do they? Why is every league different? 
Can, can we just have a blanket like, okay, oh, home and away, or no, I'm sorry, not home and away, but points, goal differential, and then we move across the table. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it to a certain you know, degree. I, it's a good way to encourage teams to go after the win instead of settle for a draw, uh, but – but then you don't you don't get teams trying to blow out other teams <laughs> because they're like we want to get that goal differential. You don't yeah. you don't get. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not too stressed on it either way, to be honest. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you don't get too many of those. Um, less than what you know. So Manchester to United to South right. Southampton nine nil drubbings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, with that being said, guys, anyone that came out of this game looking a lot better in your eyes, a little bit worse? Where, where um, it's basically kind of like what we talked about before. Um, before we started recording, is um, Stanley Alves as basically the, the top of that diamond as a, a kind of a, a 10, if you will, is is a pleasant surprise, I would say, for me. Um, I didn't expect him to be used in that position and to perform so well in that position. Yeah, I think the last two times, let me see, make sure I'm right on this, because uh, he started, yeah, get yourself Georgia. The last two times he played, the team's been a better attacking side, I would say. Um I think the thing about Stanley is he's great at shooting on site. I would like to see the distribution get better, but I think that comes with time. What are you about to say, man? My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, he even you know, played comparatively well in the North Carolina disaster. Was that when he was a sub, right? Yeah, I mean, I really don't want to re-litigate that game in any way whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I mean, he, he did ping the post in that game, so yeah, yeah, he yeah. did, he did. That's what I'm saying. So he's not afraid <laughs> to shoot when he needs to. Um, and I think that that may be the element that that he he brings. Period. Because when it, when you have a player, uh, um, on the other team, Shanae, I'm gonna who, give you one minute to rant about Stanley yeah. Alves, and I'm gonna cut you off. No, I'm not. I'm not ranting. I'm just saying if you have one player on the other team who's good at. At, who, who's who's trigger happy? That forces a defense to come out more. Then you got more space for Bolaños in behind. You got more space for Olex in behind. You got more space for uh, Emmy in behind. So, because I I think that has been an issue with the kickers for a very long time. I mean, I back when we were under Lee Kalishaw, and I know that people even joke, maybe jokingly, but we're saying like. Yeah, they're not allowed to shoot from outside the 18. And and it's it's some I think it's a stigma that has been attached to the kickers for a long time. And I think that has led to us being found out. Like as long as you stack the 18, you're fine because the kickers aren't gonna shoot. And I think this is disrupting that, this is changing that pattern, and it, it's giving us more dimensions in attack. And I, I think that is what the kickers need. We need more dimensions in attack. We need more ways that we can hurt other teams. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Next game up for the kickers is Friday, 4 p.m., primetime Canadian TV. <laughs> team to the nation that the U.S. women's national team lost to. My dog is very sad about it, as you can hear her. Uh, <laughs> the Toronto F2C team, um, from what I've watched so far this year, they played relatively well. Um, they just got a draw off of Greenville, who was down to 10 men. But I think one of the two of the players that I think you need to keep an eye on for is um, McCollin and Franklin, their fullback. Um, and what it looked like from Toronto FC2 is that they're going to play a 4 4 2. They're going to try to get it behind us. I think, once again, I think the key is going to be in the fullbacks. Like, I think if Richmond wants to come out of Canada with a win, it's going to come down to Cole and Calvo and how they do in their 1v1 battles. I think going forward, I think the team will be fine. I think Emmy, Bologna, Stanley, I think they can find space. I think they can open up opportunities. It just really comes down to how the fullbacks do with the overloads and overlaps. Uh, what you guys think about this game? Yeah, I think Toronto's been a real like up and down sort of team. Like they'll go out and gun at some games, and then other games they can't put anything together. I think part of that is a little bit of being a two team. I think part of that for them, you know, too, has just been their never ending road trip. You know, and, you know, kind of doing different hubs. They were had their Arizona hub for a while. They had their Florida hub for a while. I don't know what they've been doing lately. If they've been bouncing around, but they're finally able to actually be back home, which for them. Great, wonderful. Kind of hoping we might get to you know, have one of those, uh, you know, away games that just happen to be in Richmond still. Sign it kind of situations, but uh, I guess I'll be happy that you know, you know COVID's getting somewhat under control with Canada, so that way the world's getting closer back to being normal instead. Uh, but yeah, like Garrett McLaughlin, uh, you know, he's. I think he's on eight goals for the season. Definitely, you know, a dangerous kind of guy. He scores in bunches a lot of times. So I think he's had multiple, multiple goal games so far this year. So he can be, uh, you know, dangerous. Uh, they're not afraid to, you know, push forward. But again, they'll make stupid. They can make stupid mistakes. Uh, you know, they're prone to, you know, letting in uh, a bad goal here or there. So it'll be tough. You know, this team's always. You know, been a little uh, less than great on the Toronto road trips. Uh, you know, in the TFC two era, I think we've got w- hold one win, and that was the 2019 team out of all teams. They got a win up in Canada, uh, so it'll be a good game. But hey, what better way to start the weekend with you know some kicker soccer? Yeah, end the workday a little bit early, or like most of us working at home right now. If you're still actually being productive at four o'clock on a Friday, a I guess I guess good on you, but B, pop it up on your second screen, watch it there while you're finishing up the workday, and then you have the whole weekend to uh, do as you will and hopefully be celebrating. Yeah, yeah hopefully celebrating. I'm I'm, I'm rooting for that. <laughs> yeah, um, great. I I don't I I feel that we're looking at a Toronto team that is consistently a, a, a rotating team um like you said because they're a two team they have ups and downs because of oh we're gonna snag this player up for the first team because we have an injury or we feel that he's doing well or or you know whatever the reason may be um 
and it, it makes it hard to predict. It makes it hard to figure out what's going to happen because you never know what, what team is going to show up, what Toronto 2 team is going to show up. Is it going to be the clueless Toronto 2 team or is it going to be the organized and cutthroat Toronto 2 team that likes to, to, to run in behind? Um, to be honest with you, I think we just need to prepare for the worst. And if it isn't, then it's like punching through foam, thinking that you're about to punch through metal and you just go right through it. And and hopefully the kickers can um, can get a result out of this because I think this is this is the perfect opportunity for us to continue this momentum, uh, especially after the the previous game we had with um, with what happened in that game. I I think we need this momentum to continue. We need yes. to continue after Tormenta, after that that you know last minute goal to tie it up and and all of that, and then to come into this game and early on take the lead and just keep Tucson at arm's length basically for the rest of the game. This is this is perfect. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it going. Let's let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep figuring out how to get these results so that we can get some momentum swinging because. One thing that we, we also need to realize, yeah, we're in sixth place, but we have two games in hand over Torment Toronto uh over Torment Tormenta and one game in hand over Toronto. So if results go our way with two games, we could easily be in fourth place far away from from the follow the, the next two teams. Because yeah, we flip, do have flip, our games in hand. Flip side of that though is uh you know we've now actually played more games than New England and Madison. Uh, yeah. So, it, again, it will balance out. Uh, let's keep the momentum. One thing I think we have to keep in mind, so, you know, you know, through 20-plus years of following, you know, the kickers and this stuff with, you know, various stretch of Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Canada basically crossing the border, uh, our international players, are, you know, are their visas going to be sorted out? Because I have no idea what, you know, Canada's situation is right now. I know they just you know reopened you know for like sporting and everything right now. And I think the regular border opens up next week for vaccinated you know, people. But you know I can think of plenty of times in the past where the kickers had to leave you know uh, you know Kevin Jeffrey uh, you know whoever else behind you know because you know their visa status was warped. Hopefully it's better these days and they have it all sorted out already. But it is a potential variable. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see who's in that starting lineup at 3 or 3.30. Either we're going to be really happy or really, really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That um, element it, just scared me. Oh, that, 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 that factor just scared me. <laughs> um, any last things before we wrap up, guys? A little bit shorter episode, but like we said, it wasn't a whole bunch of this game to really break down and we got a game on Friday. So any last words from you guys before we wrap up? Uh, not really. Just keep going, Kickers. Go Matt Turner. Go USA. Yeah, so public service announcement for all Kickers fans when you're at the games. If, you know, I, I did not think quick on my feet on Saturday. This one's on me. But if you were like me, you're in you know, the beer line or anything, and you see one of our players, you know, in the beer line, I feel like we need to put it, take it on ourselves to 
treat the player to the beer rather than they pay for it and buy it themselves. Yeah, so let, let's step up, support our guys in their efforts to stay uh, quasi-hydrated while uh, supporting the team from the sideline. Let's buy the beer. Yeah, buy the beer. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now Matt's like, oh, I don't know if I want to get him in trouble or not, so we won't disclose his name. <laughs> not, not, it's not hard to put figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, also, before we wrap up, I I need to do this because I'm a man of my word. Hernan had his best game. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah, yes, he, had he his did. Best game. Yes, he did. So, Elliot, Elliot, what, what did I tell you like the 55th minute of that game? <laughs> you said this was a Hernan game, and he came in and he did a job. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, in certain spots, he can really accelerate. If you need him to post up. He's winning a lot of you know, those headers. You know, he's got the touch to be able to bring the ball down and actually control it under pressure as well. I mean, it looks a little funny when he's you know racing around trying to chase guys down, especially when you're comparing him to you know a Luke, you know an Olex, you know uh, a Maddie, somebody like that. Uh, yeah, he, 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 ain't got those, he ain't got those kind of wheels. He's got uh, the big rig wheels where uh, it takes some time to accelerate up the highway <laughs> and everything, but. Uh, <laughs> But you put him in the position to succeed, he can be a useful player. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's your he's your your typical target striker, the one who can bring the ball down, hold up play, dish it off to the players that that are that are faster and running down the channel. If you lose, if you use him for anything else, you're in trouble. <laughs> the four pins are going to get you so far. <laughs> Um, with that being said, listeners, always we just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day for listening to our show. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at River City 93. Spell the same way how the show is. You know this by now. Um, <laughs> as always, take a moment out of your day, give us a like and review on whatever you're listening to your podcast on. It helps the show, helps us get more listeners, helps us grow because you know we are a small community based, you know, podcast. Help us out. Help us help you help us. I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Closing out, this is Elliot from Matt and Shanira. We'll holler at you guys next time. See you guys at the next one.